A little Christmas song parody that I did quite a few years ago now while I was at university. In fact, I think I originally wrote it when I was at school and then I think I changed it to make it slightly better. I haven't changed it since to make it even better, but I think it's pretty good. It's, you know, it's... It does the job. Gets another dollop out, eh? That's the main thing. Dollop fodder. So here it is. Enjoy. Yesterday's dollop, I played you a song that I recorded as a teenager, a version of Stefan Wolf's Born to be Wild, or when he changed, hilariously and ingeniously changed, for Christmas to Born Meek and Mild, which told the story of Jesus being pursued by King Herod. Now, I wrote it when I was a teenager, so if I was to write it now, I'd probably improve it in many ways. But then again, there are people singing traditional carols that could do with a bit of work, I think. Songs that are classics in the Christmas canon. And yet, in my opinion, they could do with a bit of improvement. For example, there's the song, The Seven Joys of Mary. I talked about this song and my qualms with it at our Christmas gig in Stockton. So I'm going to play a little clip from that. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to suggest a few ways in which the song can be improved. The first good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of one. To see our Saviour Jesus Christ when he was first a son. When he was first a son, good man, and blessed may he be. Both Father, Son, and Holy Ghost through all eternity. The Seven Joys of Mary. People know that one, the Seven Good Joys that Mary had? Yeah. yeah. I always find that song a bit of a weird one. Because it basically charts in chronological order, seemingly, the joys that Jesus' mother has. But the first good joy is Jesus being born. So you can, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty special, I can imagine. But the second joy that Mary has is Jesus curing the lame. So that's quite impressive, isn't he? He's, walking there, he's curing people, people are walking. The third good joy that Mary has, he makes the blind see. Very impressive. But the fourth joy that Mary has is watching Jesus read, reading the Bible all. And I think if you've seen your son curing the blind and the lame, <laughs> reading isn't really that impressive, is it? She's pulling out a big wow, Jesus, you know. In fairness, he does get his act together when he's on the fifth joy, the joy of five is bringing the dead alive. So he's back on form again, Jesus. <laughs> 
Well, unfortunately, right, Joy of Six is dying on the crucifix. It's a bit odd for a mother to enjoy, but anyway. <laughs> I suggest that what we do with this song, we change the order of things a bit. Because I think it's ridiculous that you should cure the lame, cure the blind, and then he's reading. You know, it's, it's stupid. You know, you need like a tier system. Jesus is born, he should then read. Then he should cure the lame. Then he should cure the blind. Then he should bring the dead alive. Not sure about the crucifix one. Not sure whether they should really enjoy that particularly. I think that's a bit morbid to say that he enjoyed it. I think we should maybe think of something else for that. I, mean, I think the wa turning water into wine probably brought her a bit more joy than seeing her son dying on the cross. Unless she was getting really pissed off with Jesus, maybe. You know, I've been waiting for ages to bump off Joseph's mother. You know, my mother-in-law. She drives me around the bend. You know, as soon as she die, Jesus comes up, brings the bloody sod back to life maybe that's so maybe that's what's happened there's a bit of a backstory there that we're not aware of i think why don't we just say something like the sixth good joy that mary had it was the joy of six to see her own son jesus christ from water to wine did fix just something like that you know i'll fix some wine for you some water to wine did fix other suggestions are welcome i think we should swap number two and number four around because reading is less impressive than curing the limb of the blind and also it doesn't even rhyme number two the thing for number two is the second good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of two. To see her own son, Jesus Christ, making the lame to go. Doesn't rhyme at all. Two and go don't rhyme. The only way that would rhyme is if you had someone with a very broad Scottish accent singing it. It was the joy of two. To see her own son, Jesus Christ, mack on the lamb to go. You know, that's the only way that would work. But that would be ridiculous if you suddenly went into a Scottish accent for the second good joy that Mary had. You know, if the King's College Choir are singing it, and they suddenly, the first good joy that Mary had it was, they all of a sudden have to go, oh, muck on the one to go. It would be absolutely ridiculous. It wouldn't work. You know, unless you did the entire song in a Scottish accent. But I think, to be honest, you'd get to the bit where you'd done the second good joy, and you go, muck on the lamb to go. And you'd go, well, it just sounds absolutely ridiculous now. But now, I've stuck with this bloody Scottish accent, and I've got to do the rest of the song. There's no reason to do the rest of the song, because everything else rhymes. But now I'm stuck with a Scottish accent. I really didn't think this through when I started on it. I've spent too much time worrying about the two and go line, trying to make it rhyme. I've now stuck with this bloody Scottish accent. You know, I'm a laughing stock. People are just laughing at me. So I propose, why don't we just have the fourth joy as curing the lame? Making the lame to go was the joy of four. It rhymes. Perfect. Now I know what you're thinking. But you do that, David. Now you've lost the original rhyme for number four. But I would argue it's not even really much of a rhyme. The fourth good joy goes like this. It was the joy of four to see your own son Jesus Christ reading the Bible or. Or. It's ridiculous. Reading the Bible or. Or apostrophe E-R. It's a feeble rhyme. When you've got making the lame to go rhyming with two, and then you've got reading the Bible or to rhyme with four, someone hasn't thought this through. And I, I would argue this song has been hastily put together. You know, hundreds of years later, and no one has improved it. Until now, ladies and gentlemen. So I propose we change that. The second good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of two, to see her own son Jesus Christ reading the Bible through. Simple. Reading the Bible through. Done. It's a much better word than or. And now you've got the joy of four making the lame to go. And now you've got it in some decent order. The other thing that annoys me when people sing the song, the seventh good joy. It was the joy of Sem. To see your own son Jesus Christ ascending into hem. Now, I understand that sometimes to make it rhyme, you'd say hem. Because it doesn't sound right. It's gone heaven, hail the hem-born prince of peace, people say, rather than hail the heaven-born prince of peace. You always get that drilled into you when you're in the choir at school. No, it's not heaven-born, it's hem-born. Hem-born? Hem-born prince of peace. It sounds ridiculous. And they tell you that if you sang heaven-born, it would sound ridiculous. Well, I 
would beg to differ. I would say that sing Hemborn sounds stupider than Heavenborn. Hail the Heavenborn Prince of... What's wrong with that? Why not sing that? Why sing Hemborn? It just sounds stupid. But at least I can kind of understand it in that perspective. It doesn't have enough syllables. That's kind of the argument. But I don't understand it for the Seven Joys of Mary. Why would someone need to sing Hem then? Because by singing Hem rather than Heaven, you then have to say Sem rather than Seven. And who says Sem? It was the joy of Sem to see your own son Jesus Christ ascending into Hem. It's just absolutely stupid. A few weeks ago, I received a comment from Claire Boyd, a regular, a dollop regular, definitely a dollop regular, as she, I think, has listened to every single dollop since the start. So she is one of the few who have done that. I mean, there's a lot of you still with us, and there's a lot of new people, and there's a lot of people who've been with us maybe since, like, dollop 150 or dollop 200. And uh, thank you for that. But... Claire has been there since the start, and she had a request of me. She wanted to know whether a young dollop fan... Now, I'm not sure if this is a real nephew or a surrogate nephew, but he has been listening to the dollops. Now, not all the dollops. I... Thank you very much. You see, that proves it. There you go. Intel just told me that Intel has installed an update. I don't need to know. You know, just do it. Stop being so needy. I've installed an update. Well done, Intel. Well done. Anyway, hasn't listened to all the dollops I hasten to add because he is only eight-year-old. So he won't have listened to... Well, actually, I don't want to say the names of the ones that he won't have listened to because uh, he'll be listening to this dollop. So it would kind of defeat the whole objective. I was like, oh, he hasn't listened to the one about the... Uh, <laughs> Claire sort of censors them for him first and decide whether it's friendly for an eight-year-old. So he came to our gig in Stockton, our Christmas gig in Stockton, and he wanted to talk to me. He wanted to ask me some questions about the dollop and about me and I thought well it'd be a nice thing to do especially around sort of Christmas time as well so the idea was he was going to ask me some questions and then I would uh, record it and play some of it on the dollop and that is what I'm going to do right now so uh, here are some questions from Jarrett we cover a, an interesting range of topics how did you actually get blind see already I think I can already predict what Jarrett's going to be when he's older a taxi driver he's already got the first question there hasn't he I've talked about before on the dollops that every single time we get into a taxi, it's the first question. How long have you been blind? How did you get blind? I already can predict what Jarrett's line of work is going to be there. How did you actually get blind? Well, I had cancer when I was young, when I was like six months old. So I could see for nine months, technically, but three of those months I was asleep with cancer. And the first six months, I don't obviously have any conscious memory of anything whatsoever. I wouldn't really be able to see very much, would I? All I would remember, to see, if I could remember what I saw, would just be like dirty nappies. <laughs> My mother's breasts, Jarrett's, that's what I'd be looking at when I was breastfeeding, that kind of thing. That's not the kind of thing that I'd really want to remember, is it? My sister's already got her breasts already. Your sister's what? You're whispering in my ear? Your sister's what? My sister's already got her breasts already. Your sister's already got her breasts already. Alright, okay, well thank you for whispering that bit of information to us there, Jarrett. <laughs> Excellent. When do you think... You're going to be able to actually able to see properly. I don't know. Because doctors might, later in the future, create something that can actually make people be able to see again. And I know a secret to if you're blind or you need glasses, and if you try doing a tiny hole with your hand, so tiny that you can at least see through it, it might not just look like blurs. It might actually look like you might actually get a picture. 
could be. Well, the thing about being able to see again is, if I could see again, I might not want to be able to in a way because it might take a long time for my brain to remember what it's like to see. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't really been able to see before, so I'd be completely dazzled, wouldn't I, by all the new information that's coming towards me. And it'd be quite scary in a way. You know, I'd have to relearn things. So just because I can see, it doesn't mean to say my brain would know what to do with the information. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes lots of sense. Yeah, so my brain might not know what to do with the information, so actually by being able to see better, I might actually be more... It might be worse for me. If you could only see three things in the world, what would they be? If I said you can only see three things, what would it be? Donuts. Donuts, good one. Good choice, yeah. Definitely, that's, a most, that's, that's what everyone would say, obviously, it's quite the obvious one. He then tried to rack his brain for other things that he would like to see. He couldn't really think of anything, it took him quite a while, uh, but he was adamant that donuts was definitely on the list there, but after that, his sort of brain was like, oh, I can't possibly imagine anything else that I'd need to see. Once I've got me donuts sorted, once I can see the donuts, I'm absolutely fine. He wasn't bothered about seeing the face of his mum or none of that nonsense, he just wants to see donuts, and after that, his brain can't think of anything else. David's Daily Dollop. Yeah, David's Daily Digital Dollop. Let's give it its proper title, the respect that it deserves. Uh, D-D-D-D. D-D-D-D, yeah. That's what the Irish call it, yeah. And that all matches the same letter. It does. That's very clever of me, isn't it? This, this is a danger warning. Do not ever try eating a, in a full packing of salt. I did it once. My mouth was like... The salt Whoa. was like punching my taste buds. It hurt me so bad. Oh I felt like my belly was going to shoot out a ray of puke. That would be G-O-R-S-S. Gorse. I, I said a, <laughs> I said an R in that. Did you? Yeah. All right. I'm not sure you did. I can edit one in, though, if it would help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> David's Digital Daily Dollop Yeah, David's Daily Digital Dollop I listen to it You do? I'm quite surprised so You're eight year old <laughs> and you listen to David's Daily Digital Dollop well, then what, are you, what have you been your highlights? I remember like a Wi-Fi one. The Wi-Fi kettle. You remember that? Classic moments in the dollop archive there, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm quite surprised. You might be, I think, the youngest dollop listener. You haven't listened to them all yet, have you? Not all of them. No, it's like, we should, I should have the ones that... Well, you've got Claire to um, censor which ones are good for an eight-year-old and then which ones are good for a nine-year-old. It can be like Harry Potter, you know, you can grow up with them. Jared, what's your favourite Christmas song that you're practising for school? Do you know it's Christmas? Oh yeah, you're going to give us a little song now. And in our world of plenty, we can spread a smile of joy. Throw your arms around the world at Christmas time. So having it all sounds a lot better with nachos in your mouth. I was trying to get towards It's a bit, you can't like start singing a song about world hunger while stuffing your face full of nachos, Jarrett. (laughs) So you are, my little chat with Jarrett there. I think, as I say, the youngest dollop listener, certainly the youngest dollop listener that I'm aware of, but I might be wrong. If there's somebody out there whose child listens to the dollop and are younger than eight, let me know. Anyway, thank you very much, Jarrett there and Claire for helping me out with another dollop. That didn't take me very long to do. So it was good. Just bash that one out. Anybody else got any children that you'd like me to talk to? Come on. I'll get. I'll be flying through these dollops. Any more children I can exploit? Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. How lovely are your branches. 
Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. How lovely are your branches. Oh, I know I shouldn't, but we're all alone and it is Christmas after all. Oh, why not? Why not? Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, here we go. Look at you there, scantily clad in tinsel. Your baubles swinging low. Oh, let me kiss your baubles. Let me kiss your baubles. Ah. Well, I'm all turned on, but... Oh, I haven't turned you on yet, have I? Oh, let me turn you on. Let me turn you on, Christmas tree. Oh, that's it. Look at you now, you're turned on. Your pretty little lights. Oh. Oh, look at you up there. You little fairy. You naughty little fairy. Oh, you like it on top, don't you? You like it on top. Yes. You like it with that branch stuck up your ass. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, yes. Pine needles cascading all over me. Oh, you're pining for me. You're pining for me, Christmas tree. Oh, I've been pining for you all year. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, no. Oh, pine needles. Oh, oh God. Get Google how to remove pine needles from my... Oh, God. So much blood. So much blood. Oh, every year I never learn. Hiya, mate. You alright? I'm walking in the air, mate. You what? I'm walking in the air. Alright. I'm floating in the moonlit sky. I'm with a snowman, mate. A snowman. I'm riding in the midnight blue far across the world. The villages go by like dreams, mate. The rivers and the hills and the forests and the streams. We're surfing in the air. We're swimming in the frozen sky. Oh, we're drifting over icy mountains floating by. Oh, here we go. Whoa! Suddenly, swooping low on an ocean deep, rousing up a mighty monster from his sleep. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, didn't mean to wake you. He's not very happy about this. Merry Christmas to you, mate, and all. Walking in the air, mate. We're dancing in the midnight sky. And everyone who sees us greets us as we fly. Hey, hello, mate. All right, mate. Hey, how you doing? Morning. Morning. It's 11 o'clock at night, mate. Well, yeah, it sounds good, but um, well, I'm having a pretty good day myself, actually. I don't think it's going to beat my day, mate, flying in the air with a snowman. Well, actually, I, I, mean, I can't believe I didn't realise this before, but I've just found out that David Eagle has been releasing a blog every single day. David's Journey Digital Dollop, it's called. I've been listening to them all day. Absolutely incredible. You what, mate? David Eagle? I see. Oh, my God. Right, hang on a minute. Snowman! Snowman! Turn us around. We're going home. Something's come up. What do you mean, something's come up? I'm taking you on a ride of your life here. I know, mate, but uh, something important's come up. Are you serious? You know, we're walking in the air. Yeah, I, I know, mate, but... We're floating in the moonlit sky. We're riding in the midnight blue, mate. I know we are, but... The villagers go by like dreams. I know, I'm, I'm aware of that, but it's just... The rivers and the hills and the forests and the streams. I know, I know. We're surfing in the air, mate. We are surfing in the air. Yeah, I, I know. We're swimming in the frozen sky. We're drifting over icy mountains as we fly. I, I know, mate. Look, 
We are walking in the air. We're dancing in the midnight sky. And everyone who sees us greets us as we fly. Hey, how you doing? All right, mate. Morning. Morning? It's 11 o'clock at night, mate. They might be playing the good morning game. The good morning game? Yeah, it's a brilliant game that David plays on his dollops. We are walking in the air. Now you tell me, what could be more important than this? Do you know David Eagle? Oh, of course I do, yeah. I've just found out he's got a daily blog. David's Daily Digital Dollop. He's up to dollop 345. What? And he's us buggering about up here? I mean, I've only got a month to listen to them all before I melt. Right, come on. Full speed ahead. We're going home. This is exciting. A daily blog by David Eagle. Choir of children sing their song. They practiced all year long. A choir of children sing their song. They've practiced all year long, apparently. So he's really built this up, hasn't he, Paul? So these children have been practicing all year long, so it's gonna be pretty special, isn't it? I would imagine. Let's hear the result of those children's year-long practice. They've been practicing all year long, these children, apparently, according to Paul. And that's essentially it. Ding dong, ding dong. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? How has it taken them a year to get to that stage? I think five minutes they could have achieved that. This is Paul McCartney here, and it's one of the most low-budget sounding things. He's just come out of the Beatles. This is the most low-budget sounding record. He could have actually got a choir of children, but he just thought, no, no, I'm just going to cash in here. I'm just going to do this on the cheap. Plug in a microphone, I'll do the ding-dongs and the oo-oo's myself. Can't even be bothered to think of some words. That'll do. Ding-dong, 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 ooh-ooh-ooh-ooh. Then the rest of the song is just him plonking on a keyboard. It's like he's got the... It's like he's got a children's keyboard. It's like a toy keyboard, isn't it? <laughs> For Paul McCartney, you know, think about the songs that they've done in the Beatles, and then he comes out with this, like a Fisher-Price keyboard, and him lacklusterly singing over the top. I mean, originally he was thinking, oh, you know, I'll probably have a snare drum in there, you know, really beef the sound out a bit. And he thought, no, no, I can't even bother doing that. I'll just, I'll just clip my fingers, it'll be fine. That'll do, a bit of finger clicking. There we are, that saved me a bit of money. <laughs> Anyway, it's only mildly better, I would say, than my Christmas song that I composed when I was at school. And it was the uh, first year of secondary school, and we had to write a Christmas song. And we were all assigned a partner to work with, and we were given these, like, xylophone things to play. And I was assigned the lad who had severe learning difficulties. But, and we had to write this song together. And obviously he had to play the xylophone as well, so it had to be really simple. So, you know, I was quite into music, so I could have made something a bit kind of adventurous, but because I was teamed up with with this lad with severe learning difficulties, he could barely hold the, uh, the beta for the uh, xylophone. I just have to basically sort of say, right, we're just gonna, you know, you just hit those two notes there. Dun, dun, dun. And I tried to make him do it to the rhythm, but he, he didn't really have much of a rhythm. So I just said, hit it as fast as you can, because then at least it just sounds like a ding, 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 
I thought, well, it'd be nice if I could give the, the lads something else to do. So I said, at that point, when you hear me sing and I see lots of snow, stop beating the xylophone and shout ho ho. So I thought that should be all right for him, you know. I've got him involved there. I'll be playing the, the chords on the xylophone. Dunk, blink, 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 blink. I'll be doing that. He'll be just going up the top there. Then we pause and he'd go ho ho. That was the idea. But he didn't quite get it. He always forgot the pause. So we kind of practiced it a few times. So it was, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. You meant to ho-ho there, and, I, and we tried a few times and it, it just wouldn't work. We were running out of time by now, and that was essentially all we got, and we still hadn't mastered the ho-ho bit. And I said, right, I, I'll nudge you when it's time to do the ho-ho. So I would have to, like, prod him in the ribs when it was time to do the ho-ho. So it was, it's Christmas Eve, and I'm looking out the window, and I see lots of snow. And then I'd have to nudge him, there'd be a bit of a pause, and then he would go, ho-ho. Like that. There was no life in it at all. I tried to get him, I said, well, let's, that's good, let's try and do it now with a bit more enthusiasm, a bit more excitement in the voice. Unfortunately, at that point, time had run out. We'd, our allotted time of, I think about an hour, had passed, essentially, and all I'd managed to do was to get him to hit one note and then say, ho, ho. Under the circumstances, I think I did very well. He had a severe disadvantage, in fairness, but we'd managed to get round that, and we had our Christmas song. So it was time to perform our song in front of all the kids. And the teacher said, so what have you called this song? And I thought, well, oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought of a title. And the only lyrics of the song were, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I say lots of snow. I haven't been able to write any other lyrics, and my intention was to write more lines, but I spent that long doing the ho-ho thing and trying to get him to hit the, the note that I kind of got sidelined. I hadn't got a title, and in my folly, I just thought of the first thing that came to my head. I said, the song is called It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. It's not the best thing to do, bearing in mind they are the sole lyrics of the song, apart from Ho Ho. There was still an element, in fairness, there was still an element of surprise to come. I was still holding something back for the people there. Anyway, so we start the song. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. And I nudge him. Ho, ho, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Ho, ho. And that was it. And I was like, well, that's essentially as far as we got. But in fairness, the music teacher was very supportive and she was really happy. And afterwards she took me aside and said, you know, about the importance of including everybody and thanked me for, for doing that because, you know, she put me with him because other people might have just sort of excluded him and left him aside and just got on with their own stuff. But I included him. And even though he didn't sound particularly enthusiastic by it, apparently he was pretty chuffed with himself, the teacher said. You could tell he was pretty chuffed with himself for being involved. So it was quite a gratifying moment, and it had gone well. This lad, who doesn't normally get involved with class, had got involved. And yes, it wasn't the most enthusiastic ho-ho, but he ho-hoed, and he played. And often he wouldn't do that. Often he would just sit and not participate. And so the teacher was over the moon and the support worker was over the moon. And apparently he had a smile on his face, even though he didn't sound enthusiastic, that's just because that's the way he delivers things. And so it was a job well done, essentially. And all the kids were listening as well. They weren't laughing at the ridiculousness of the situation and the unenthusiastic ho-ho and the simplicity of the song. They were respectful as well. What a lovely Christmas moment. The next week, it was Christmas concert time, and I was due to do a performance. So I think I did a sort of an improvised version of... Um...
It went down an absolute treat. It were lolly, it were clapping along. I was sort of improvising around it as well. Probably largely improvising because I was making mistakes, but I turned those mistakes into gems. So, I finished the song and I was given a rapturous applause. And then my music teacher said, absolutely fantastic. You know, David has been exceptional this year, etc., etc." And really started talking me up. And she said, and um, earlier this year, last week, he did a very moving composition. And I was sort of glowing with pride. And then she said, I wonder if you'd do that song for us now, David. And I sort of looked at her bewildered. And I, and I said, really? And I thought, this is going to be ridiculous. She hasn't explained the context. She hasn't explained the fact that I essentially was working with a kid with severe learning difficulties. He could barely hold the xylophone beta. He could barely muster a ho-ho. You haven't explained that. You haven't explained that for 45 minutes, it was me trying to get him to sing ho-ho, play the same note on the xylophone. I don't know what had gone into her head. She just started talking me up and said, yes, we gave all the kids an hour to come up with their own composition, Christmas composition. And I remember that your particularly moved me, David. And I thought, yes, it, we, we, it moved you because of the situation with the, the kids with severe learning difficulties. That's why it was moving. It wasn't moving because the song was brilliant. She remembered that something had moved her, but she couldn't quite put a finger on what it was. Forgot about that bit and just assumed it was the composition, the power of the composition. And she said, it would be brilliant. I think we'd all like to hear this composition, a bit of an extra addition. Let's hear this composition now. And there was a bit of a pause. I, I was too nervous to say no, I can't, and everything's running through my brain going, my God, this is going to be humiliating. What am I meant to do in this situation? I didn't have the confidence to sort of explain the situation. Also, it would have seemed a bit churlish, maybe, to have gone, well, before I start, I want to explain that I was working with a kid with severe learning difficulties here, uh, and 45 minutes of the song was taken up. You know, it just sounds spiteful. It sounds... So I started playing it. Um, I could barely sing. My, I was so nervous. My voice had all clammed up, so as I swallowed hard and cleared my throat a few times, I began to do the introduction. And I thought, well, at least try and jazz up the introduction a little bit. If I do a bit of a jazzy introduction, maybe that'll compensate for the uh, paucity of goodness in the actual song. introduction and then I thought right well there's nothing for it I'm gonna have to sing the song because she did say it was a song so I began and in my little childish tremulous voice it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow there was a pause not a very long one I would say about half a second a second while I tried to make a decision in my head whether to do the ho-ho or not. I thought, the song's ridiculous. Is it going to be more or less ridiculous with the ho-ho? Should I put the ho-ho in? Would it be disrespectful to not put the ho-ho in? As if I'm embarrassed. You know, if this kid's in the audience, he's going to hear. He's going to go, where's the, where's the ho-ho? Oh, was my part not important? So I did it. I delivered the ho-ho. But I didn't deliver it with conviction, because I wasn't sure. So it was, and I see lots of snow. Oh, oh, it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. I thought that was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. What kind of a ho-ho was that? I need to deliver the ho-ho with more conviction. If I'm going to do the ho-ho, I've got to do it with conviction. The next time, 
And I see lots of snow, ho, ho. And that point, I thought, well, that's essentially the end of the song. I don't know, I've just done the ho, ho with conviction, but that's it. But bloody hell, the introduction's longer than the actual song. So I had to think quickly. I had to think quickly. I sort of had to decide on the spot, would it be more or less humiliating to end this song now? What, end this song just by going, and I see lots of snow, ho, ho, and then leave? After a massively long introduction, it would be absolutely ridiculous. But it already is absolutely ridiculous. All these thoughts were going in my head. And I paused. I decided to utilise the pause. I decided to transition into the next bit of the song. What do you mean the next bit of the song? There isn't the next bit of the song. I'd have to make one up on the spot. I decided to move from C major into the relative minor. A minor. And I decided to utilise the pause that I'd just done. Allow it to give the transition extra gravitas. And I see lots of snow. Ho, ho! It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window. And I see lots of snow. Ho, ho! I'd have to do that again. There was no other choice but to do that again. I couldn't just end the song there, so I had to do it again. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window. And I see lots of snow. And I thought, well, it can't end on the relative minor. Everyone knows that. You can't end the song on the relative minor. It would be absolutely ridiculous. It has to resolve. So there was nothing for it but to do it again. Only back to C major. Ho, ho! It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Ho, ho! It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Ho, ho! <laughs> the song ended. It was a bit of a pause. I was shaking at the piano and there was a sort of a bemused applause. And I started to really panic. I wanted nothing more in the world than for this song to end and for the torment to be over. But I, I kept thinking, no, I can redeem the situation. I can pull something out of the bag. I can make this maybe ironic, perhaps. I thought I was going to end it. I went, ho, ho. But then I thought, no, I needed to make something more of it. I can pull this out of the bag. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. I just need to do it with conviction. If I'm going to do this, I need to do it with conviction. Ho, ho, it's Christmas Eve. Come on, people. And I'm looking out the window in desperation, started imploring the crowd to join me in the ho-hos. And I see lots of snow, your bitch. Ho, ho, sang the crowd. Yes. Now this is getting good. I started to realise I clawed it back. I clawed it back. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Ho, ho, sang the crowd. Yes. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Last time. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. sang and the crowd burst into rapturous applause I clawed it back brought it back from the brink and almost made the song ironic with my ridiculous jazz improvisations having the tenacity to do it's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow my fake ending people had taken it as a, a comical ending like there was a bit of timid applause and then I was back in again no one knew what to expect I was enjoying the moment so much I decided to continue. Another fake ending, I thought. Another fake ending. As the rapturous applause continued, I went, It's Christmas Eve. We were back in. 
we were back in and people were now clapping. People were clapping to the rhythm. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Just the women. Ho, ho. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Just the men. Ho, ho. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of snow. Just the teachers. Ho, ho. It's Christmas Eve and I'm looking out the window and I see lots of... Oh. Uh, how does it go? Oh yeah, snow. The crowd were loving it. Improvised jokes coming through. What a feeling. I am in the kitchen. I'm in my kitchen in Sheffield. I say my kitchen in Sheffield, obviously, this is where I live. I don't just have a kitchen in Sheffield. This is, I'm in my house, the kitchen in my house in Sheffield. But uh, yes, I've certainly pulled out all the stops for the 350th dollop because this will be the last time I shall be dolloping from this kitchen. And so I thought it would be fitting to do a dollop as it's the 350th while washing the dishes for the final time on David's Daily Digital Dollop. I think we've done it three, four times maybe before on the dollop where I've done dollops while washing the dishes. It'll have lots of memories, of course. It brought us such features as what am I washing? A brilliant feature where I washed a thing and you had to guess what I was washing. There was another time, of course, on the dollop when I was doing the dishes that I lost the sponge and then found the sponge again and we played a game called Where's My Sponge? You had to guess where the sponge was. So uh, lots of brilliant features. Well, two brilliant features, but I mean, I would argue that there is the quality of the features are so good that they are probably the equivalent of 10 good features. So I mean, no pressure, but it's a 350th dollop and uh, I'm doing the dishes. So I mean, something really needs to happen, doesn't it? Forgive me if I get a bit teary in today's dollop. <sighs> Dropping the bloody knife. When I say the bloody knife, I just mean, you know, the annoying knife. In case you're worried there, I've just let something slip. Oh, I've just done a sacrifice. I always do that before a dollop, just to, you know, I always do a, a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. You know, it's like sort of almost to the gods. I'm a bit of a superstitious person. It's uh, just to make sure the dollop goes well. It's like a prayer. I always do a bit of a blood sacrifice. If you're wondering why you haven't heard anything from Nigel and Molly, the two cats of recent, then I'm afraid that's the reason why. When I used to have a proper job, I used to commute every day from Hartlepool to Gateshead. And depending on what time of the day I set off, I would either get the X9 or the X10 bus. And I was doing this for a good few months. And it was a fairly uh, arduous having to do four hours commute every single day. But then, one day, the bottom deck was full. There was no room on the bottom deck, so we had to go up to the top deck. We ventured up to the top deck, and that is where everything changed. It was like entering another world. In the past, we'd got on the bus and, and everyone just ignored each other, the other earphones in and just kept themselves to themselves. But when we ventured up to the top deck, it was a completely different world. Hello, you're just in time, they said. Come and join us. Monday is quiz day. Hello. Hello, Ben. This is quite emotional. This might be the last time that you hear Ben on the dollop. I'm sure you all have your memories of Ben and his uh, penis extension, whatever it was, PS penis. Oh, that's the sound of it there. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of emotion over the next few dollops. Anyway, and they said, oh, well, every Monday we have a quiz. Anyway, afterwards I was chatting to some of them, and they said, oh, we've been, you know, a lot of us have been coming on this bus for years. 
and we've just got to know each other over the years and you know we all sit on the top deck and we have a bit of a chat to each other and now and again we'll have quizzes and we'll play charades and we'll do all sorts of stuff there were people of all ages there you know people who just started their jobs and were in their early 20s for people who were nearing retirement age in their 60s having quizzes chatting about stuff doing crosswords charades whatever anyway i had a week or so off work and they said well we're going to have our x9 x10 bus christmas party but it'll be sometime in the next couple of weeks give us your email address and we'll add you to the mailing list and we'll let you know when it is because i wasn't going to be on the bus and a few days later i received an email from a man i'd not yet met because he was on the other bus i primarily traveled on the x9 and he was an x10 traveler at a different time to me but the same thing happened on the x10 as it did on the x9 because they all knew each other and they all traveled on different buses just depending on what time they got up and that kind of thing and he was the leader he was colin who called himself the x9 x10 communications czar and he said after a bit of consultation with everybody in the bus the best date for the christmas party will be and then he gave us the date and uh, he said as usual there will be carols on the bus and then we'll all get off the bus and we'll head to the pub for the x9 x10 christmas party and so that's what we did we all got on the bus we sang carols on the top deck walked to the pub and at our christmas party and it's just so weird to think that the only thing that we had in common was that we all got the same bus together oh elsa she does it's too late for that elsa your whispering has been caught it's the last time that you'll ever be on it it's very emotional elsa i'm sure now people are thinking of their various memories of elsa Oh yeah, of course, your mum, yeah, yeah. So many memories, people. Oh, it's very emotional, this, isn't it? It is a small Father Christmas walking wind-up. Don't walk off the table. Oh, he's going around the corner. He's going to go off the table. Oh. Captain David, Captain, Captain! I've got it, fear not. No Father Christmases were harmed during the making of this dollop. Although... Two cats were. If Father Christmas had fallen off the table, he'd have probably uh, been slayed. Ah! Uh, uh, uh. Oh dear. Or reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> David, do you yes. want a bag like this? In fact, would oh, you yeah, like this bag to put the. Go on, I'll do that. Do you want to just hold it? Yeah. yeah. Typical Ben. He offers me a bag in exchange, he asks me to hold it. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. See, we're, we're yeah. about to that, right? If not, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Alpha. I'll oh, see each other again, won't we? This is going to be silly now. Well, this is for the record. <laughs> Enjoy. See you soon. Bye. Bye. emotional isn't it that's the last time Ben and Elsa will be on the dollop just take a few minutes to reflect on your favorite memories whether it was Ben getting his penis pierced Elsa curled up with the cat Do you remember that? Elsa had it on her knee and I put my ear to it and we had a good listen to her pussy, didn't we? It's very emotional. 
I hope people weren't laughing there. That wasn't meant to be a joke. That was that was a slip of the tongue with the pussy. Um, it's just it's meant to be emotional. This. I'll do for emotion. Um, right, so, anyway, so we went to the pub and I ended up staying out. I was only planning on being there for a couple of hours because at this point I'd only been on the bus for a month or two. I didn't really know the people as well as other people knew each other. I mean, I knew them quite well, but I thought, oh, it'd be nice, you know, I'll do it for a couple of hours and then I'll get the bus home. I ended up chatting to different people. I met Colin, the X9X10 communications czar, and we got on really well. We got chatting. People kept buying me drinks. I ended up deciding I was going to get the last bus home. And then about five minutes before the last bus, he said, oh, come on. Colin was like, come on, I'll get you another drink. You can stay at mine if you want. And, I, and of course, I mean, how could I refuse? I was being offered a drink. And not only that, to go to the house of the X9X10 communications czar. I mean, my goodness. So I had another drink. I then headed to his house. He said, do you fancy another one in my local? So we uh, went to his local pub. It was a little bit disconcerting when I walked into the pub because a few of the regulars were like, oh, here he is. Oh, and he's brought another young man with him. And I thought, oh no, he's done this before, hasn't he? Maybe he does this every Christmas. He gets an impressionable young lad from the bus. The whole thing's a grooming exercise. This whole X9X10 communications are quizzes, charades on the bus. It is a charade. It's just a grooming exercise. I'm one of his young men. But it turns out they were just joking because it turned out we had wife and kids. Anyway, we got home. He's like, oh, you must try some of this whiskey. I'm a big fan of whiskeys, he says. So he, he gets me this whiskey. Now, I'm not really much of a whiskey drinker, but when you're in the presence of the X9X10 communications, are you don't say no. You know, you've got to take what's on offer. But that's the last thing I remember. The next thing I remember, I'm waking up completely confused as to where I am. It takes me ages to kind of put the pieces together and I realise I'm on the sofa of the X9X10 communications czar in his house. He's not beside me. Anyway, so we all get up, then I, then I meet the family, the wife and the kids. We have breakfast together. I was going to meet Ben in York. He says, oh, we're going to go out to York. We're going to go up to the Christmas market. I'll drop you off. We got there a bit earlier than expected. Ben wasn't meeting me for another hour. They were hungry, so we ended up having lunch together. And then we said goodbye to each other. And I went to the next X9X10 Christmas party as well. But then I left the job altogether. And then I moved to Manchester, and now obviously I'm in Sheffield. But I still get the X9X10 emails from Colin, the communications czar. Even though I've not spoken to him for absolutely ages... I probably don't know half the people on the X9X10 now. You know, there'll be a lot of new faces there. But I get the updates. Now and again, I'll have a little read. You know, like people retiring, bereavements, promotions, redundancies. People have gone to funerals of the X9X10 bus travellers. News about family members. They go for walks together. Anyway, on one of the Youngins podcasts, I did a little bit of a recording from the X9X10 Christmas party in which we meet Colin. The X9X10 communications czar. That's right, I am you. the communications czar. Thank yeah. you for noting that. Uh, of course, I, well, I, I, I'm always deferential towards you, and I'm absolutely honoured that you have uh, <laughs> agreed to do uh, a little podcast interview. And I'm, the listeners are also are very honoured as well. In fact, it's probably going to multiply our listenership by t uh, 10, I would imagine. Oh. <laughs> uh, Colin, explain, how long have you been a traveller on the X9X10 bus, firstly? Well, originally I started in 1989, but on a daily basis, about seven or eight years. I got Brian who works with me he's been uh, going on a daily basis for about 17 years what, what were bus journeys like I mean I'm going to say I was only four take us back to the dark age of the bus travel what were bus journeys like in 1989 Colin they, they were just very much the same as really? the, to be honest so yes. I, I think therefore there is a sense of a, a potential monotony when it comes to bus travelling but you seem to have managed to really perk up the passengers and, and, and bus travel in general on the X9 and the X10s and the X10 buses by actually um, doing something getting 
people involved, a bit of community spirit going on. So how did that all start, Colin? Well, first of all, obviously, I can't take all the credit. There's lots of gossipy people, to put it politely, on the X9 and X10. I suppose when it really starts is when, if there's, a, if there's an accident on the A19 or it's blocked for some reason... As there frequently is. As there occasionally is, yeah. yes. You know, I'll pop down, I'll ask the driver what's happening, and I'll tell everybody what's happening. Right. So it's communication. So you were the communication czar. Oh, you right from before. The well, I think, yeah, once the, once the ice had been broken, I, I worked with a lad, so I talked with him, and then a, a lady got on the bus who I'd known 20 years ago, so I talked with her, and, you know, just things progress. I'd, I naturally talk to people. I'm from County Durham, which yeah. possibly explains it, because right. people from County Durham like to talk a lot. You, we were all on a bus for an hour, yeah. or, or more, perhaps, and you've got to pass that time somehow. If you wish to have a little discussion, I'm your man. There's no doubt about it. So now we, we, bring, we got ourselves to the point where we're currently here. Uh, it's not, we're not on the bus anymore, Colin. We're actually at the Red Lion pub in Norton. How have we managed to take it then from every, getting everybody off the bus into the Red Lion? I mean, that must... Uh, oh, that took about the blink of an eye, that really. It was a sunny afternoon. Someone said, I fancy a pint. And right, and three of us said, yeah, so do I. And so it, it changed from the occasionally having a pint in the Red Lion at six o'clock on a Friday night yeah. to having a Christmas party. And I think this is our fourth Christmas party. Right, okay. When did the Christmas carols start then? Well, how did well, they start? Well, it was the first Christmas party. There was a bit of confusion. One lad brought wine and pop and glasses and crisps on the bus. He thought the party was going to be on the bus. So we distributed all of those around the top deck. And he, he turned out to be probably a Methodist or something along those lines. But he, he loved singing Christmas carols. Really? So he started us off. Now, by chance, that night I'd been on my works do, and I had five pints of beer inside of me. Yeah. So I got singing as well. Behind us there were some obviously theatrical students, because they were belting the tunes out like megaphones. And it brought, the first time was astronomical, because nearly the whole deck was singing Christmas carols from Gateshead to Norton. And it was, it was surreal, it really was surreal. I was pinching myself. It's the final time there will be a walking dollop from Sheffield. I mean, the emotion of the situation might be somewhat tempered by the fact that you can't hear a word that I'm saying because of the wind. So it's as if the atmosphere knows and it's conjuring a storm to heighten the drama. I mean, we must have done at least 50. Morning. See, I thought for old time's sake I'd play the good morning game, but didn't get a response there. That might be the final time I get to play the good morning game. If only she knew she could have been a part of such an auspicious occasion. We must have done at least 50 walking dollops, I'd say. And we've covered some ground. Of course, I mean that in more ways than one, people. <laughs> uh, you're going to miss this when it's gone, aren't you? Um, we've met lots of people on our way. We've met the water feature man, the homophobic farmer. We've had chats with horses and sheep. And this is our most common route that we've done on the walking dollops. And we're doing it for the final time because I'm heading home today for Christmas back to Hartlepool. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Just to add an extra level of jeopardy 
for this final walking dollop. It's pretty dark and uh, normally I can hear when the cars are coming but the wind is that strong. There are times when I can't hear the cars. I only hear them just when they're upon me. I mean it'd be a shame to die on dollop 351 wouldn't it? I've got 15 dollops to go and it would be a bit of an annoyance. dramatic uh, dollop today isn't it? There was just a dog there, it was desperate to attack, the owner was pulling it back but fortunately he also kept the dog on a tight lead. I was a bit worried that the owner might be a bit distracted by the fact that he was pulling it back but uh, but he seems to be a multitasker fortunately so we were fine. <laughs> bit of a smutty joke there. We tick all boxes on the dollop, can't all be erudite observations and philosophizings. Some little bit of a smut now and again. I'm like Shakespeare, I cater for all tastes. There's a lovely smell of horse manure in the air. I actually do like the smell of horse manure. I mean, I say I like it. I don't want anyone getting any ideas and sending me horse manure in the post or anything like that. They're, oh, it's Christmas time. He likes horse manure. Especially bearing in mind I'm, I'm not going to be back home for a while. I don't want to get back to Sheffield and find, you know, on the 31st of December and find that my I've got a mass of rotting horse manure that's been there for days, has been posted through the letterbox. When I say I like horse manure, I just mean, of all the shit types that there are, horse manure is my favourite. It's not that unpleasant, really. But feel free, get involved in the debate. There's still time. If you've got a favourite shit, you know, we could have a little countdown, couldn't we? Morning. Morning. Ah, we got a morning. Excellent. So I look at the time. It's it's two minutes past four. Sixteen or two. Oh, yes. I mean, I think we've got ourselves a record there. I think that might be the latest. I'm not sure there'll be someone now listening going, what? Do you not remember, David? 1643. 1643, you got a good morning on the, uh, the 14th of October. I can't believe you can't remember. But I'm pretty sure that's a good morning game record there. Someone reciprocating with a good morning at 16.02. I think it's very fitting that we should have that on the final walking audio dollop. All we need now is a homophobic farmer. And this will top things off perfectly. We need the water feature, man and the homophobic farmer to like meet together because they don't like each other if you remember if you don't know your dollop history you won't know what i'm talking about you need to know your walking dollop history here but uh, they are next door neighbors who have had a bit of a feud they don't like each other we know that because of what they've said independently when they've not been together they've revealed that on the dollop but i'm hoping that today if the gods are on our side and i did an extra sacrifice that's why the horses and sheep haven't been so vocal today but if things are on our side we might get a big rural showdown well we've reached the point now where we're at the water feature i'm standing here i'm giving them the opportunity to present themselves I'm even taking risks here because the water feature man's garden is right beneath a tree which is creaking ominously in the wind and it's quite a big tree. The things I do for journalism. I'm giving them the opportunity but they're not coming out. I mean maybe they'd make it up, that would be better wouldn't it? Rather than having a showdown, they'd make it up and they'd, they'd, they'd apologise to each other from the past and they'd embrace each other. What a lovely Christmas moment that would be between a rather weird water feature and a rack and a homophobic farmer. Lovely Christmas moment. Alas, it's not going to happen, I don't think. I must leave.
it'd be quite nice if the uh, homophobic farmer, you know, they liked each other so much that he made the water feature man his third wife, perhaps. I understand if you haven't listened to that particular dollop, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about, but whose fault is that? Come on, if you're not willing to put the time and the effort in, you can't expect to reap the rewards. And what rewards they are, isn't that right, Claire? Exactly. Of course, that was one of the features, wasn't it, on the dollop, the walking dollops? Given the fact that I'm recording with some special microphones that go in your ears, which means that you can hear where sound is coming from. Therefore, you should be able to tell where the sound is coming from in front, behind me, above or below, as well as to the left or the right. So given that it's the last walking dollop, let's have that for one final time. So you should be able to hear now, just listen carefully, the car. Give yourself a point if you said that car was coming from in front and it passed me on my left. So if you're listening in the headphones, you should be able to hear where these cars are coming from. Here's another one. So you should have been able to hear that that one came from in front of me and passed me on my left. So there you go. Brought back that feature there for a final time. Oh! So many memories. In fact, I'm going to leave you now with a bit of walking ambience. I'm going to end this walk in silence. Not going to say anything. We're just going to hear the ambience. As we fade out, you maybe have a little think about your own walking audio dollop memories. Back. It was meant to be emotional the last time we said, oh, oh, you know, you're back. Do you... Yeah. And those were Elsa's last words on David's Daily Digital Dollop. Everyone will remember that. Macbeth, out brief candle. Elsa, do you fancy a fish cake for lunch? Ah. <sighs>